Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. I'm going to a city that's set on a hill. Its ruler and maker is the Lord God above. Oh, I'm going to a city and it's set on a hill. I'll be in heaven and there'll be no sorrow there. Oh, I'm going to the city. Hello, everybody. God bless you today. We're back again. We tried to do our program this afternoon, but we were having some sound difficulties. So anyway, if uh, anybody's in the chat room, let me know if you hear me. Let me know if you don't hear me. And uh, we'll see how it goes now. So uh, how is everybody? God bless you. I hope everybody's doing okay. And I know that we're just passing through this life. And Jesus said, in this world, you'll have tribulations. So some of us have had tribulations. We're going through tribulations. But we have to remember that we have a Savior And he's going to save us out of it all. And one day we'll be with him and we won't be here anymore. Our life is but a vapor. We're just passing through. Amen. It's like the Bible says, we're aliens from another planet. (laughs) And if you're born again, you're born again with the spirit of God. And you're an alien from heaven. So we know that when we leave this earth, we're going to heaven. And we look forward to that. Amen. We look forward to being there with the ones that we loved that made it there. And to see Jesus and to see God the Father and all these saints that went before us. So it'll be an exciting time. Because we definitely know that the earth is not our home. Amen. We know that. It's just, it's crazier and crazier every day. Just when you think it can't get any crazier. And even the, the state of our nation where we see so many weird things happening where basically they want to take away capitalism and give us socialism and they're already starting to decriminalize some crimes in certain cities around the country. And there's just a real breakdown of law and order. And that's a big problem because when people know that they can get away away with things, they'll even do it more when there's no consequences. And we're seeing the breakdown of society. And we're also seeing the breakdown of the church it's all happening so fast 
that every day you're just amazed at the news, the headlines, and the things that are going on. It's hard to believe, really, but we can't change the end times. We're it, That's just how it is. If, if it is written, that's just how it's going to be. So whatever we have to go through, we hope that we can endure to the end. Amen. But I wanted to read a scripture to you, Second Corinthians 9, 7. Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that ye, always having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad, he hath given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever." Now he that ministereth seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So the Bible says that when we give, we give as we purpose in our heart, not grudgingly or necessity. And remember the word necessity means we don't give because we have a need. And that's, what most of the false prophets teach and the false teachers is they, they teach you that if you have a need, you better give because there's no other way to get what you need unless you give an offering. But that's not what the Bible says. And it's, it's a false teaching. So the person that we're talking about today Paula White, she is a false teacher, a heretic, and I believe Paula White is not a Christian. And the reason I say that is because Christians, we're big on forgiveness. We can forgive a repentant sinner. We love repentant sinners. We love when people repent. And no matter what they've done, if they have a heartfelt repentance, then we welcome them with open arms. We we take them in. We take them back. We say, you're our brother. You're our sister. Not Paula White. Paula White has yet to repent of her heresy. She She has never once repented for her false teachings. In fact, she she says she she doesn't really do anything wrong. And she can't understand why people call her a heretic. She just can't understand it. Well, they call her a heretic because she is a heretic. <laughs> <You know? laughs> she teaches that if you give offerings and you give Passover offerings and you give... Uh, Day of Atonement offerings and uh, Feast of Tabernacles, all these offerings that she wants, first fruits. And this first fruit offering, now I've been looking at the whites. It was back when she was married to Randy and they used to be on our local Christian so-called television station. And I remember they used to come on 
And I was looking at them with amazement because they were asking people to give their whole month's salary for January. And I never heard anything like that. And I was like, wow, your whole month's salary? Plus their tithes and their offerings they were asking people. Now that is a big chunk of money is to give your whole month's salary, especially if you have a family. But but obviously people were doing it and uh, they were giving all these other offerings that they were asking for because the whites were living large. They uh, had a plane. They lived in a uh, a fairly good size mansion, so-called. They called it a mansion. But I've seen the house. It's 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 a it's a nice house, and uh, on Tampa on Bayshore there in Tampa, and they were driving Bentleys and Mercedes and all different very expensive cars. Some of them cost two hundred thousand dollars or more, and uh, so they were living large. They they uh, were taking in millions upon millions of dollars and. Um, they, uh, of course, one of the ways that we know how much money they were taking in, because during the Grassley investigation, when they were being investigated by Senator Grassley, they had to produce their financial records, which then became uh, public. So I think that I, uh, I'm not 100% sure on the amounts, but I think it was something like they took in. 28 million or 32 million dollars one year and yet they were still 32 million dollars in debt something like that so they were spending more money they were taking in now imagine that you took in 32 million dollars or 28 million dollars or whatever and then you still couldn't pay your bills it's like what is wrong with you so as far as money management goes Paula claims to be that she was a real estate mogul when she was 18. She's got so many different stories. And if you want to do, if you, if you have the time and you, I, I, I enjoy it really, because I see here's a woman that that's out there in the public. She's working for the president of the United States and, and she's a bold faced liar. If you go and look at these videos on YouTube, and the channel, the best way to, to uh, find this channel, because the the name of the channel is a little hard to remember, the Remnants JNJ, and that's T-H-E-R-E, Remnants, R-E-M-N-A-N-T-S-J-N-J. And that's the channel on YouTube. But the best way to find this channel is when you go to YouTube, you put in the search engine, Paula White, Another Adulterous Marriage. And that brings up the Paula White porn uh, video where her and John suggest watching porn to educate yourself in, about your marriage. Uh, so it, then you'll see the name of the channel and you'll be able to click on these videos. She's, she's got probably 50 or more videos on there. Anyway, you can see all the different stories that Paula White tells about herself, tells about her life. Uh, she was a real estate mogul when she was 18, something she started this real estate business and 
but she was on welfare and she was eating government cheese and she lived in a trailer and she was starving for six years, but yet she says she was a millionaire by the time she was 30. And then if you listen to some of her stories from when she gets to Tampa with Randy and she says that they don't have any money, there's no food in the, in the uh, cupboard. So what's the story? Like, did you make $90,000 on your trailer and then by the time you were 30, you were a millionaire? So then how are you broke all these times? The stories just don't fit. There's just too many stories this woman tells. So um, you can really get an insight into Paula White's personality. Because why lie? Like, why do you have to lie about your life if you're supposed to be a Christian? You don't have to lie. The truth is better because you can, you get caught when you tell too many different stories. And she's got so many stories about her life. (laughs) But you'll see when you look at these videos that she just, she can't help herself. She's just a compulsive liar. And so um, the, uh, surely the woman that has this channel was actually sued by Paula at one point. And Paula sued this woman and over copyright infringement, which of course there was no copyright infringement. She wasn't infringing on her copyrights. And she wasn't making any money from the channel. She never monetized her channel. She she was just putting information out. But anyway, Paula sued her. And the woman actually, because when somebody sues you, somebody that has enough money and insurance policies and whatever, like Paula White does, they can afford attorneys. But the average person to an, to afford an attorney uh cost you thousands upon thousands of dollars. So Shirley would have uh, had to get an attorney and fight this thing. Otherwise, who knows what Paula would have done to her. Uh, She could have gone to jail. You can go to jail, really, for copyright infringement, for stealing somebody's copyrights. But like I said, she wasn't infringing on Paula's copyright at all. There is a fair use clause in the copyright law where you can use a certain portion of people's audios and videos and whatever and uh, you're not infringing so anyway Paula sued this woman and this woman decided she was going to fight it and she became her own attorney which was remarkable in itself here Paula had four or five high priced attorneys and there's Sister Shirley Johnson on her own, David and Goliath. Anyway, she took Paula on, and it went on for a few years, and finally there was a hearing in Orlando, and Shirley won the case. She won the case against Paula, and Paula had to pay her. So you can read the story online if you put in uh, Paula White Sue's YouTuber or Paula White versus Shirley Johnson you'll see the information for yourself. The the court documents are online and there was someone there uh, reporting on the story, someone from a publication called Tector, I think it was. Anyway, um, but Paula White, she used to like to sue people or threaten to sue people. 
uh, she threatened to sue this pastor, um, Chukwanika, and I'm probably not pronouncing his name correctly, but he was actually Zachary Timms' best friend. And Zachary Timms was the pastor of New Destiny Christian Center, the church that Paula took over in Apopka. And Zachary died of a drug overdose. And so then there was like a battle for who was going to take this church. His ex-wife wanted it, which of course she deserved it, her. And his had left four children behind, I think. One is a disabled child. Uh, but Paula, uh, the ship was sinking over there at Without Walls in Tampa. They were basically bankrupt. And their church in Lakeland that they had in 2011, the electricity was turned off. And I have pictures of that place. I have pictures of the notification on the door that their electricity was turned off and the building was basically condemned. And they said they couldn't inhabit it until they could pay their electric bill. They were behind on their electric bill and they blew through all these tens of millions of dollars and then they couldn't pay their electric bill there in Lakeland. So anyway, the place wound up in foreclosure. So did the one in Tampa. And they filed for bankruptcy, the Tampa location. But that was 2011. I think she went to Apopka in 2012. Of course, she knew the ship was sinking over there in uh, Tampa after she told the people that she was going to stay there with them. She was their pastor and God called her there. But then when she realized that they weren't going to make it financially, uh, she went over there to uh, with, uh, um, to New Destiny and somehow, somehow, some way, she weaseled her way in there. Uh, pastor Chuck Monica, he knows, he knows the whole story. And he, I published his open letter that he wrote about Paula White I published it in my book, Seed Face, Can a Man Bribe God? And that's available online. There's also, I think, not a complete free version on Google Books. Uh, there's also a Kindle version. But anyway, uh, I published his open letter. She threatened to sue him because he was going to expose her and her lying. And she threatened to sue him, and she was going to sue all his board. So he was, she was going to drag all these people into court, and everybody was going to have to hire attorneys, and that was going to cost thousands upon thousands of dollars, which most people don't have. So anyway, he um, decided he wasn't going to pursue the matter anymore. Just he was just going to give it to God and let God deal with it. But anyway, he did write this open letter and uh, he calls Paula on her lying about her relationship with Zachary Timms, that calling him her spiritual son and that she led him to the Lord, which wasn't true. Uh, she didn't lead him to the Lord. But anyway, uh, Pastor Chukmanika, he actually was Zachary, Tim's best friend, and he he led him to the Lord. So he documents all these facts in his open letter, but it just proves again uh, that Paula White is a liar. And so how does a woman like this, who's a liar and a thief, basically, how does she get, <laughs> you know, 
how did she get into national prominence as the spiritual advisor of the president of the United States? You can't make this stuff up. It's just too bizarre. It's just too bizarre. Uh, now she's been appointed to a, an actual staff position at the White House. And she will be a liaison. Let me bring up the story. Uh, it, it was in the news yesterday that she's going to be on the White House staff. And she will be an, a, a liaison. Let me take this sound off off this website because they want to play this video. There's all these pop-ups when you go to these websites now. They drive you cuckoo. But anyway, um, she's going to be on staff there and she'll be pestering the president because she calls herself the pastor, but I call her the pester. She pesters the president and she'll be uh, overseeing this um, kind of a faith-based, uh, faith-based uh, charity thing where they're going to try to help people that are being persecuted. Uh, let's see what else. Some kind of anyway. She's she's going to be this liaison, which is a joke between uh, the evangelical evangelical community and other religious uh, other religions and she's going to help try to organize the base but how 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 in the world is this woman qualified for any kind of position like this because she couldn't even manage her own ministries that both went bankrupt and the churches don't even exist anymore they were bulldozed and then she goes over to new destiny a church that was already established, and they, when she took over the church, there was a there was a couple thousand people there, I would say, and now there's probably I don't even know if she's got 500 members there now. She managed to clean the place out, so she's hardly a successful example of uh, a good business person. So I don't know. I, I don't understand Donald Trump sometimes why he is uh, attracted to a person like this and why he would want someone that doesn't have a good track record. She probably talks a good talk when she's around there and people probably don't look into what, into her history. Uh, That was a good example of that was when, um, Robert Jeffers, the pastor of First Baptist, who's also on this advisory board for the president, when he was questioned, he said, well, he's never looked into Paula White, so he doesn't really know anything about her except what she tells him. So uh, she's only going to tell him what he wants to hear. She's not going, she's not going to ask for the $3,000 seed faith offering for the Day of Atonement. She's not <laughs> She's not, she's not going to ask him for that, you know. So I guess it's probably the same way with um, Donald Trump. He probably doesn't really know what she teaches. 
he might have looked at her a couple times, but he, he's probably too busy, just like Robert Jefferson. I'm too busy to be investigating Paula White. So it's probably the same thing here. She flatters him. She uh, pays attention to him. She does whatever he asks her to do. So he probably thinks she's got it. She's got it together, but she doesn't have it together. She doesn't have it together. She can't manage her life. Uh, that's the track record. You you leave behind a mess, and then you go and you 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 take somebody else's ministry. Uh, and uh, she takes this church, and then she tells these people there that God called her to this church in Apopka. She's there. She's going to be their pastor. And then she's leaving. She's going to work at the White House, and she puts her son. She puts her son in charge of the church, and her son. He's really not qualified. He's 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 a young guy. He's probably I don't know in his early thirties. I would say. And he's not too. It wasn't too long ago that he was addicted to crack. He's, his life was messed up, totally messed up. I don't know how long ago it was. but uh, So she's going to give this church now to him to run. Of course, she'll be pulling the strings in the background, but he's not going to be able to run this church. She couldn't even run it. She was driving people out there, out of that place herself. So they're not definitely not going to stay for him. And uh, anyway, I'm going to play a couple of these audios. Now, this is her son. He's talking on infant baptism. When you do a simple act of prophecy like that, when you do it, there's nothing powerful in the ritual itself. It's the willingness to move forward and belief that God sees you. Okay? People who put their faith in ritual are magicians. They're witches. That's what witches do. They put their faith in the material ritual of the world. They believe that, that the actual, this is the act itself is going to do something. We're different and that our faith is in God. And what we do is getting his attention constantly, knocking, reminding him of covenant. And we'll do that in all sorts of manners to say, God, this is a reminder of your word that you spoke about our life. And that's the difference. So even today, as we do a loose version of the baptism, it's not about getting every word right and having no bumps and making sure that it's perfect. It's about our heart being oriented toward rituals of faith. I remember when we talked about being the temple of God, the temple, uh, Hebrews 11 talks about everything being through faith. Even back then, the rituals of the temple, the rituals of sacrifice, they were all rituals of faith. The difference between then and now is they were limited to a singular location. We are now the living temples, so our rituals of faith are consistent, daily, persistent, renewing us to make sure that our temple's clean, undefiled, so that the presence of God can exist. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? We've gotten away from a lot of the importance of that stuff. Uh, the importance of dedication as well. One of the things that I did when I started to, to gain a voice here was work with my mother to institute child baptism, which is not very popular in a lot of charismatic or Protestant churches. There's a concept of the age of accountability, which is actually a Catholic doctrine. It's a Catholic doctrine that the Protestant church has kind of inherited, that you have to be 12, 13 or something and be able to, to speak in order to and confess Christ with your mouth in an articulate way in order to be baptized. And that's not biblical. 
Um, there are scripture after scripture shows us both in Corinthians and on uh, the power of grace to the point the earliest Christians were baptized for the dead. They had so much emphasis and belief in the power of God and his grace and mercy. They didn't even think it extended purely to the living. And the reality is, is, is when we dedicate our children, we are recognizing an eternal covenant with God that, that the grace regardless of the, the, the ickiness of our immediate circumstances or perhaps the, the lack of salvation in a marriage, we see that grace extends. And it says that you who are saved make your children holy. Paul says otherwise they would not be holy if the unsaved husband or the unsaved wife affected the matter. So what we do when we dedicate children is we eliminate grounds for Satan. This is important. Before I had my children, I bound them to an altar in Ghana. I took off my necklace at Archbishop's, and I put it on the altar. I remember Gideon trying to figure out who put that in the offering. Even Joel were looking at it. I remember that. And uh, I bound it to the altar, and it was very important to me. And I dedicated my children to come uh, to Christ, as Hannah dedicated Samuel. And the importance of that is recognizing that they don't have an option and where they fit in God's kingdom. I'm not going to create, there's a true opposition out there, and I'm not going to create the room for the enemy to, to, to there to be a coin flip, and for them to have to figure it out. If they're going to walk away or go some things, they're going to start from a place of victory and walk out of it. They're going to start in Israel and have to walk into another land. And the reality is, is we can't let bad ideas, wrong ideas that are really ahistorical and non-biblical influence our thinking when it comes to our children. You speak over them as though they are walking in the fullness of their destiny when they're six months, three days, six years old. You, when you, I change their diaper, I proclaim all the things that they're going to do by the purpose of God and every biblical thing. I, I talk about what their eyes see and what their ears hear and what their mouth speaks. And the reality is when we dedicate our children, we are dedicating them to the church. And when we put oil on them, we say you are sealed by the Holy Spirit into the day of redemption. The reality is that is I'll always have a point to point to and say, God, they don't have an option but to serve you. If they're acting a fool right now, if they're sick right now, if they're failing in school, whatever it is, God, whatever's a part of their destiny that they need to succeed in, I'm looking upon this and remember that I made covenant with you. And through the salvation that you've provided me, you've provided me salvation not only just to myself, but your grace and mercy extends to my bloodline. So I'm going to call upon that. And the only way that we can see that fail is if we forget to do it or deny it or deny the power of it. And so it is a little different to baptize children, but it's vital and it's one of the most important things. And I am proud to bring that back into the charismatic church. I'm very, very thankful that God has opened my eyes to the revelation of it. I hope that more and more churches will baptize children at a very early age and seal them with the oil and welcome them to the body of Christ. Because in doing so, there's a point of contact and prayer that we can refer to the covenant of God. Is that all I need to say on the matter? Yeah. Okay. Does that make sense to everybody? Anybody have a problem with that? It doesn't matter. So um, we'll continue to expand these. Uh, as we do this today, I'm thankful for Gideon. And if we'll come... Yeah. He says, well, if you have a problem with it, it doesn't matter. Yeah, of course it doesn't matter to him because he's a pastor of the church. So he's not leaving. It would be nice for this young man to stand on his own two feet and make his own way in life instead of doing everything his mother wants him to do because it's not going to wind up the way they think it's going to wind up. You can't give a responsibility to such a young person that's not that 
uh, doesn't have, he's a novice and you can't give all this responsibility responsibility to a novice. It's a tremendous responsibility, number one, to pastor a church and to be, and to have all these people coming at you all the time with their problems. And then you have to manage a staff and then you have all, all, all the, you have a family, you have all these things going on in your life and you're a young person and you're a novice and you're not too far removed from being a, a crack addict. You're just not ready. It's really, uh, it's not really fair even for his mother to do this to this young man because it's too much. It's really too much to handle. But she wants to go off now. She wants to be there at the White House after she told the people there at New Destiny that she was going to stay there and she was going to be their pastor, blah, blah, blah. And anyway, this is the... um, the name of the job that she took. It's the uh, religious advisor in the office of public liaison, the part of the White House overseeing outreach to groups seen as part of Trump's base. So that's going to be her job. Now it's going to be Paula the diplomat. So we'll see what happens with that. And uh, then meanwhile, she's going to put Uh, the church into the hands of her son. But of course, she'll be in the background watching over things, even though she's convinced him that he's the pastor, but he's really not running the show. I guarantee you that. He's not really running the show. But anyway, here's another uh, famous quote from, here's Bradley Knight, Paula White's son. And this is what he does after he dips babies in this tub and this is what he does then after with the water nation but we're going to dedicate children yes we're going to dedicate some children and and we'll get you out of here quick uh if you want to leave i think you're walking out on some blessing even though it's other people's kids i think you're walking out on some blessing there's a couple things the water that we baptize them and i think i have a prophetic instruction uh the water that we're about to baptize the children in, they're going to be anointed. Uh, Prophet Gideon's going to do it because there's a spiritual connection between him and Nicholas, too, in terms of what Nicholas is supposed to do and see. And uh, so, so I'm so honored that he's here and doing it. After we're done with the baptisms and, and the process, those women who are believing for a child, I want you to come up, dip your fingers in the water, and touch your womb. Those men who are believing for a child, I want you to come up. Dip your fingers in the water and grab your inner, grab your parts. I know that sounds vulgar, but I'm serious. I'm serious. That's how my son came about. When I grabbed myself and I said, Nicholas, it's your time to come forth. The Lord told me. I'm not trying to be funny. You don't. You can do it privately, but just do it. Okay, I, I'm going to play that again for you in a little bit. But here, here's this. This is the pastor, so-called of. The New Destiny Church, which now is called the City of Destiny, because they're going to build a city there. Every She was going to build a city in Tampa without walls. Then they were building a city over at the Lakeland Church. Those places don't exist anymore. Now she's building a city there. She's going to build a city in Apopka there at, at City of Destiny, formerly New Destiny, and they're going to have a, a hospital, and they're going, going to have... A, a um, seminary and they're going to have a university. 
who's going to go to that university? She doesn't even know the Bible herself. So how is she going to teach somebody else the Bible when she doesn't know it? She can't even get her own doctrine straight. And apparently he can't get his doctrine straight either. Who baptizes babies? You can't baptize babies and welcome them into the family of God. They're babies. They can't talk. They don't make decisions. So, please. And then he says that, they see, they baptize the babies and they have a bucket in the front of the church. And they dip the babies in this bucket and the babies have on their diapers and they're dipping one after the other, dipping the babies in this bucket. And then he's telling the women to come and put their hands in this bucket after they dip all these babies in there with their diapers on. And he tells that, tells the girl, the ladies then to put their hands in there and to touch themselves if they're believing for a baby with this water. And then he also tells the men to do the same. Please, have you ever heard anything that this is bizarre? And now, there's I've heard some bizarre things over coming from over there at uh, New Destiny. I've heard some very bizarre things, like the porn thing, telling people to watch porn, telling people to bring money forth to get babies, uh, telling people to bring money to get healings, to get husbands. I've heard some very strange things come out of that place. This is this is an extremely strange thing to tell people to come and dip their wa- their 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 hands in this dirty water and then to grab themselves uh, and, and then to command children to come forth. Anyway, this is this is the new pastor Pester uh, Paula White's son. Who she now here here here's here's Pastor Paula. Here's Paula and the spiritual advisor of the president. And so I can't bring out of me what doesn't exist in me. But now you done pissed me off. So let's I said hell no. Everything religious better get the hell out in Jesus' name. Because I found out it actually feels good to cuss. I just try not to cuss people out. That's what I'm trying to do. But it's just too much pressure. And if one more person comes up to me, I'm not going to say praise the Lord. I'm going to cuss you out because I just, I know I look cute, but it's just getting on my nerves. It's too much pressure. I can't handle it anymore. And things that shouldn't bother me are now beginning to cause me to crumble on the inside. And I've lost my tenderness and my kindness and I've lost my edge. I know nobody in the house has ever gone through this. So just be patient with Pastor Paula. The hell with religion. I hate it. I can't bring fear out. I can't bring judgment out. I can't bring hatred out. I can't bring racism. Yeah, there she is. I'm going to play that again. Here is Pastor Paula, presidential. And so I can't bring out of me what doesn't exist in me. But now you done pissed me off. So let's go. I said, hell no. Everything religious better get the hell out in Jesus' name. Because I found out it actually feels good to cuss. I just try not to cuss people out. That's what I'm trying to do. But it's just too much 
pressure. And if one more person comes up to me, I'm not going to say praise the Lord. I'm going to cuss you out because I just, I know I look cute, but it's just getting on my nerves. It's too much pressure. I can't handle it anymore. And things that shouldn't bother me are now beginning to cause me to crumble on the inside. And I've lost my tenderness and my kindness and I've lost my edge. I know nobody in the house has ever gone through this. So just be patient with Pastor Paul and the hell with religion. I hate it. I can't bring fear out. I can't bring judgment out. I can't bring hatred out. I can't bring racism. Yeah, that's, that's Pastor Paula. That's Pastor Paul. Here's another good one from Pastor Paul. Your eye to see. And he said, that's right. The sun is rising. I'm giving you another day to fight forward. Mm-hmm. And so I got up that day out of my depression, out of my self-pity, put on my sneakers, and I tried to run. I couldn't, but I did a fast walk, okay, because <laughs> I stopped everything. And so then I started doing self-talk. This is important. And so I started saying, you can do this. God is for you. He's given you ears to hear. You're full of faith. He's given you eyes to see. And I just kept saying that over myself. And when I felt really like down on myself, I said, come on. These legs are so sexy. Come on. You can do it. Run, legs. Now, I just talked to my legs like that. I go, you're looking at me funny. Look, nobody else is telling me, so I got to tell myself. These legs, you carried me through this life. You are strong. You, you got some good legs. And I just keep running. The next thing I knew, I wasn't running a block. I was running a quarter mile. Mm-hmm. I wasn't running a quarter mile. I was running a mile. Mm-hmm. And then I was feeling better. Mm-hmm. And then I started getting myself together physically again, mm-hmm. spiritually again. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you, because God is love and hate is not love. Yeah. So you just got delivered of anything that is not love, yeah. right? So don't hate because I wanted to die whole. And I was so determined. I had the tools. I had the word. I knew what to do at that point. Many of the things that I'd share. So I had to go back and go back and put those deep, dark, demonic feelings in Mm. that red balloon and let it go. Mm -hmm. I had to close my eyes, remember happy moments, Mm -hmm. remember sexy moments, Mm -hmm. remember peaceful moments, Mm -hmm. remember angry moments. Remember hurtful moments. Mm-hmm. You know what I felt? I'm just going to say it. It's just women, mostly women. Some of you watching. I felt whole and hot. And I don't mean in a bad way, but I was like, I got my stuff. Yeah. Holy hotness. And I was like, it was like, I didn't, I realized like, you know what? Men told me, because I was given an option and you read about it. I, my option was, if you do this, if you don't do this, you're going to lose everything. And I decided I'm not going to compromise mm-hmm. my beliefs mm-hmm. and what I believe God for. And, and technically, as a woman in ministry and stuff, maybe I was going to lose everything. Maybe I was going to lose. I did lose the house. I was living in a hotel. Mm-hmm. I wish I had a hotel. Nicole. I wish you had an address. I had a hotel. <laughs> it was nice, too. But I did complain. I did. I had to repent because I didn't have clean underwear. <laughs> it's true. But this is how much God loved me. All right? These are our secrets, something greater. This is how much God loves us. Yeah. This. I'm sitting there with all this work. They'd FedEx me my work to my hotel. I'm living in a different state, going through another inquiry at that point, all which prepared me for such a time as this. Mm -hmm. Going through this other inquiry, 
And I didn't even want to open up an envelope of FedEx, and a FedEx came, and I threw it, and I felt like the Holy Spirit said, open up, and I go, God, I don't even have a washing machine. I don't have clean. I am preaching the gospel of the world and won millions of souls for you, and I have dirty underwear. <laughs> it was like, this is not cool, God. I mean, I was really upset. Yeah. Now, this is how I'm this You can only wear them backwards, forwards, inside, and out, and you're out. <laughs> crazier in faith than I am was walking in the mall I promise we'll stand before God with this and the Holy Spirit spoke to her told her to walk into Victoria's Secret and buy me three pair of underwear and FedEx them to me she had no idea I opened it up and there's this note I love you and so does God this is the craziest thing I have ever done (laughs) but God spoke to me and told me to FedEx you and I'm like God you love me so much I wonder if she would talk like that at, at some of these meetings. I'm sure that these men that, and and if you look around when she has, there's a picture on the internet of them in this room, and there's all these men there, these supposed men of God, and there she, there's this Jezebel standing there in the front, and you know she has to command the attention of all these men. They don't have they don't have any backbone to stand up to this woman. Imagine, could you imagine her talking like that? Oh, I told my legs they were sexy. And you know what? I'm hot. And the Lord loves me so much that he gives me clean underwear. Oh, please. (laughs) Anyway, there she is, presidential spiritual advisor of the... I don't know. I don't know what this world is coming to, but I can't imagine that she would ever make these statements if she thought that if she makes these statements. This was um, the other night at her church. She made this, these statements, so she doesn't hide uh, her statements. She she can just bank on the fact that most of these people that come to these evangelical uh, meetings there at the White House, like I said, these supposed men of God, these uh, Bible teachers and these theologians that she could probably bank on the fact that they're not going to go and do research about who this woman really is. She just goes there and she she has she has many personalities. You know that um, movie Sybil and that lady Sybil had like 35 different personalities. That's Paula White. She's got a personality for where, whatever situation she's in. She's got a personality. So, but these this audio is out there for anybody to listen to it's these all these things that she says it's out there for the public and um she likes to say now that her husband Jonathan Kane now she met him in 2011 and she claims that that uh, God put her on this Southwest flight. Now, this is 2011. And Jonathan Cain was married in 2011. He was still married. He'd been married to this um, woman named Liz. And I think they had been married 
They were married over 20 years. They had three children. And, of course, in his book, uh, he, he also wrote a memoir a year or so ago. I think it's called Don't Stop Believing. And uh, he claims in his memoir that he committed adultery. And uh, he hid it from his wife, but his son was addicted to heroin. And his son said, if they said he sent his son to rehab, and his son said, if you don't get me out of this rehab, I'm going to tell mom because I know you were cheating on her. Well, he didn't know that his son knew, but his, his son told him that if you don't get me out of this rehab, I'm going to tell mom. But anyway, they decided they were go- going to have to go to counseling, all the family during this crisis. And then he, Jonathan came. Friga decided to confess to his wife that he had been cheating on her, which she never knew. Well, maybe she suspected, who knows, but she didn't, he claimed she didn't know. And anyway, that, I guess that didn't make for a very good marriage after that. So I don't know what happened. Of course, I wasn't there. So I haven't heard her side of the story. I would love to hear her side of the story. I really would. Uh, but they pro- she probably had to sign a confidentiality agreement to get a divorce settlement. I don't know that for sure. I'm just assuming that. So, but um, anyway, he cheats on his wife, and then they're, they're trying to hold their marriage together. All right, he meets Paula in 2011. There's Paula on the plane, and she's prophesying to him, and they exchange information. Now, she claims that God put her on this flight. Now, you know, God's not into breaking up families. He doesn't break up families. He doesn't put you on flights to meet married men, and then you wait for them to get a divorce, and then they pour their heart out to you that they're having marriage problems, and then you're doing some kind of counseling to them, and she's sending him scriptures, and she's telling him uh, all he's got all these great things and she's stroking his ego. And uh, so finally, I think in 2014, he finally gets his divorce and then he hooks up with Paula. But usually this is my, uh, the way I've seen this happen over and over again. And usually a man doesn't leave a marriage until there's somebody else. Men, they like they don't like to be alone, and if, especially after they've been married for many years, they like to make sure that when they leave the marriage, usually they have somebody else lined up. So he already had somebody else lined up, and uh, so he leaves his marriage and and gets a divorce in 2014. Although he claims that he didn't love his wife anymore, well, <laughs> it's very very difficult to uh, hold a marriage together. It can be done, but it's very difficult to hold a marriage marriage together after there's adultery. It's it's difficult. Of course, you can forgive. And I've known some marriages that after that happened, that their marriages were better than ever. And uh, so it depends. But anyway, he, he didn't love his, he says it too. Imagine that your father, your mother goes publicly to everyone says to everyone I don't didn't love your mother anymore and he you tell everybody well love is not a feeling it's a commitment but obviously he wasn't committed to his marriage so 
but I don't know what went on behind the scenes. I wasn't there. But he claims in his book, too, that uh, Paula was on this flight, and she flew southwest many times, but God had a plan in putting her next to me. Yeah, God had a plan, yeah. It, it was God. Yeah. Anyway, she tells him that she's a pastor, and uh, he's he's confiding in her. She's confiding in him, and they're crying and uh, telling their life stories. And so, oh, he's very impressed. And uh, anyway, uh, they get together. She says that um, she goes to this journey concert. And what does he know about being, what does she know about dating? But she forgets to, <laughs> she forgets to mention in her book that, well, she goes, she's saying she's going to sell this house in Texas, but she moved to Texas after, um, I guess after her divorce, I don't know exactly when she moved to Texas, but there, there was a pastor there, Rick Hawkins, and she hooked up with him. I I can only assume that's why she bought a house in Texas because all of a sudden she was there at his church. I don't remember the name of his church. I think it was I think it was in Austin or outside Austin. Anyway, his name is Rick Hawkins, but he, it's on the internet. You can read there's newspaper stories and it was even on the news one of these news reports that she uh, was there with this on this at this church and she was supposedly on the board or something. But anyway she was having some kind of a relationship with this guy, but she doesn't mention that in her book. She, she, when she talks about going to Texas, but she also fails to mention about Benny Hinn. And uh, I'm going to play this audio where she says, Oh yeah, he invited me on a date when she was on James Robinson's program and he invited me, but what do I know about dating? Like, Oh, please stop it. And uh, anyway, Costi Hinn, who is Benny Hinn's nephew. Uh, I think his father is Benny Hinn's brother. But Costi has written a book and he, he comes out and he talks about being about his uncle and about the era and about his uncle with the money and different things. And he's a pastor now, Costi. Anyway, you can see some of his videos too on uh, YouTube. But remember, uh, I think, I don't know exactly what year it was, that Benny Hinn and Paula White were caught in Rome. The National Enquirer followed them there, and and there was pictures of them holding hands, walking down the street. Anyway, they both denied that they were having a relationship. And I think that story in the National Enquirer came out, um, I don't know if it was May or June, can't remember the year, but anyway, Benny Hinn had filed for a divorce at this time from his wife, Suzanne, but he wasn't divorced yet, but she hooked up with him. And now here, this is Costi, the nephew, saying that, and they denied that they, anything was going on. Oh, it was a friendship. But yeah, Costi says that at Christmas time, he shared a family Christmas with her before a particular divorce was final. He posted this on Twitter, uh, October 14th. 
then watch them spin the PR to millions, twist biblical parameters, and slowly creep back into the mainstream. So he witnessed the fact that she was there with him at a Christmas event, a family Christmas event. And then it was a few months later that they were caught in Rome, but yet they denied that anything was going on. There was even someone that had worked for Benny Hinn Ministries that uh, came out and said that he was actually kissing her in front of people there. (laughs) But after all, what what did she know about dating? Oh, please. Let's stop it already. Anyway, I'm going to play that. Um, I'm going to play that audio so you can hear it for herself because she tells she tells James and Betty Robinson that he invited her to a Journey concert and but she didn't really know that much about dating. Oh, I hope I have this. I don't know if I if I have this audio or not. Maybe I didn't put it on here, but. I'll play this one for you. I'll see if I can find it. Said when he was reading it, it was it, it's a page turner. He couldn't. Let me tell you what. Yeah. This is it's a page turner. You don't want to not get it. Everybody's yep. going to want to this book. This is, I think, your favorite book of all times. I got to tell you it, honestly. I'm serious, and we, you know well, we we have a lot of books. We we do. We, we have a huge library. Lori has already read this book. She loves it so much. She's read it twice, right? and she's told it to me a dozen times. <laughs> Every detail of it. She said, do you realize what she said? She told this, and she told well, the thing stuff. Is, she said, I thought she'd never tell this. Yeah. You've told it all in this book. Well, you know what? Here's the only way I know how to be. It's very authentic, very real, very open, very raw. It was the hardest thing I've ever done, but the most rewarding thing I've done. It took me nine years, two years to write, and I felt like I, I needed to land because, as you know, Jim, there are times that you, you know people have perceptions of you, and I thought real ministry is out of uh, my brokenness, out of the places I bled and people thought, you know, certain things with which some thought good, some thought bad, whatever the opinion was, uh-huh. I wanted to tell, this really isn't my story, it's God's story, it wow. and then it's all of our story. Mm-hmm. And I didn't want to say, okay, let me just show you the successes. Let me show you the great times. No, there, there was a <laughs> whole lot more messy, scary, went through depression. My um, daughter that I'd raised, it was Randy's child, died of cancer, went through an ugly, messy divorce that people just see on the surface, but there was years I was believing God, like I would be the exception. My childhood, my father committed suicide. My mother's an alcoholic. Um, I mean, very educated, two masters and a doctorate. So it's not like I come from this, oh, you know, like, and then I'm cut off. I live in a trailer. God, I get radically saved. I mean, there's so much in there. Trump's in there. Michael Jackson's in there. Kid Rock's in there. I mean, people, it's like, they're like, oh my gosh. I I was told you put it in there. I was told she was supposed to preach uh, his his funeral. I was. And you would have the moment in history to reach millions, millions. multitude of millions at I that moment. It, Jim. I did, did. You, did you watch her on the inauguration? Yes. Huh? So proud. So What did you think? Well, I'm jumping all over the place, but yeah. but this fits together. You prayed the most awesome prayer. <laughs> Jesus has never been mentioned as many times in 
10 minutes is when you were praying. We had five of us invoke the name of Jesus yes. over this nation, where before people like Franklin Graham and some of our dear friends were being sued for invoking the name of Jesus That's over this nation. So the, the, it was surreal, but it really is leading up to it. So he is now President Trump, well, then was President-elect Trump. I walk into his office. Um, Bannon was in there, Jared, Ryan, all these people. And he says, Paula, you're in the inauguration. And I said, well, thank you, sir. I'm, I'm very honored. I said, but you know, I know you. And I said, our nation really is a place that needs healing. And um, I said, you would, why don't you have a true evangelical? I said, why don't you have a Hispanic, an African-American? Why don't you have a Catholic, um, a rabbi? He goes, I love that. And then he's like, and they're like, everyone's looking around and goes, that's, that's for bull. I said, that's just Trump-esque. I said, that's, that's what our president would do. And so that's what he lined up. And he goes, well, you're, you're praying this. And so we get up and five of us, now whether people understand it or not, when we prayed and you invoked the name of Jesus, Job twenty two twenty eight says, whatever I decree, whatever I declare shall be established. So I had been running and I tell all about this. I tell details of it, like the inauguration and like all the things that we had to run through because I was overseeing all of his services, his faith services. So there was the private one, there was the public one at the cathedral, there was, and the family one was just so precious. It was amazing. There was the prayers. Here's the thing. How how do you tell, oh, you invoke the name of Jesus? Well, you don't know Jesus. You don't know Jesus. How can anybody that knows Jesus scam people? You can't. It doesn't mix. <laughs> when you're born again, you change. You're not a scam artist. You don't uh, scam people out of their money to build an empire. It just it doesn't mix with Jesus. So you can't know Jesus. So how do you tell people about Jesus? You you can talk about Jesus all day long. Oh, I love Jesus, but the Lord is going to say to you. Depart from me. I never knew you. Like, who are you? Anyway, here's a, this is a part of uh, Jonathan Cain Friga's book. And uh, he's talking about how when he met uh, Paula after he, then when his divorce was final, he said, we had kept in touch, but now I jokingly mentioned that I wanted to fly her out to join me. To my surprise, she accepted my offer. We spent three days in deep conversation about healing, restoration, and commitment. There were walks along the ocean and kisses that lingered and smoldered. Yeah, well, in the first place, like you're not supposed to be, if you're not married, you shouldn't be uh, doing those kind of things. You shouldn't be doing those kind of things because you're, you shouldn't be doing uh, something that you can't, you shouldn't start something that you can't finish, is what I'm saying. You're supposed to know better than that. And he says, the chemistry between us was intimate and undeniable. Paula spoke to the king in me. Well, first of all, the king is Jesus. Okay, so... You're just a bunch of flesh going somewhere to happen. She might tell you that you're a king, but you're just an ordinary person 
and Jesus is the king. So she can tell you you're a king all you want, but you're human. <laughs> and you have flaws. So anyway, he winds up marrying marrying her. And uh, so, but don't believe the high place. Oh, God put us on this airplane. No, God didn't put them on the airplane. And God's not into breaking up marriages. So uh, that that didn't happen. You know, they they met. There was an attraction there. They kept the attraction. And uh, he was going through a crisis himself. So anyway, they wound up together. Who knows how long that's going to last. But it's no way to start a marriage, really. It's it's a bad way to start a marriage anyway on the rebound too. But so but anyway, let's listen to here's Paula. Here's part of her deception. Now when she was telling uh people there at without walls and she doesn't really talk about it that much in her book. I think she mentions that uh, the church filed for bankruptcy there in Tampa, but she's on it's only like a quick sentence, but she doesn't ever really go into how they uh she writes a memoir, but she forgets to memorize the uh memorialize she forgets to memorialize the uh fact that the churches both were bankrupt and foreclosed on uh the one church in Tampa was in foreclosure and then somebody did buy it before it went to the, the auction, but the church in Lakeland was foreclosed. They owed the Christian credit union millions. Oh, I don't know if it was 12 million or 22 million. They owed them a lot of money. The people never got paid. There was hundreds of people. I think over a hundred people that never got paid. And uh, so Randy filed for bankruptcy but she fails to talk about those kind of things, the, the things that really went on as far as squandering the money, uh, being, being a complete failure. Uh, she leaves those details out. So she's always promising the people that uh, they're going to have uh, prosperity and that the church is going to be Saved. Anyway, here's here's her leaving without walls. The Holy Spirit hit you upside the head right now, but the Holy Spirit is moving my... I just asked the Lord, be with me. And I just stood in my mantle and stood in my office. And God has been with us without walls. God has favored us. God has been strong to us. God is with you. When you stand in your office, I would be out of his will if I was somewhere else. God has assigned me here. So God has assigned me to you. I'm called to pastor you. And this is what I'm doing. And I'm going to leave my seat of strength. So God's going to take care of us. Amen. I'm called to release you into your greatness that the appropriate pastor gets put in that place. I want you to grab the person's hand next to you. Just want to share a few thoughts with you as we move into 2012. I know you've heard a lot of rumors, but let me share with you. And I wrote it down, Pastor Randy wrote it down so that we could have everything because it's just easier because when you get up here, you'll ramble for 30 minutes. 
Amen. So I just wrote everything down. I said, this is an exciting time in church history. Squeeze that hand if you believe that. As we shape and form what God is doing in the earth, God has raised up a people who are reformers, who break the patterns of the traditional present. As you know, we have been the spiritual covering to New Destiny Christian Center and Pastors Act for many years. He was under our covering for 15 years since they started. Uh, four months ago, a church and a staff were faced with a great difficulty in grieving the loss of their senior pastor and continuing to move the vision and mandate forward. After a thorough process by the Board of Directors and Regents with much prayer and fasting, I was asked to accept the mantle of shepherd people of New Destiny Christian Center. I began to seek God's will with counsel from spiritual oversight, and he started to confirm that I was to expand our territory. With that said, I will begin to assume the role as senior pastor of New Destiny Christian Center to bring the fullness of the will of God and continue in my apostolic role, you need to hear it all, and leadership as visionary at Without Walls. In other words... Mama's still apostle, still visionary, and I'm going to lay it out for you because I need to do some healing for just a moment, okay? Is that okay? The leadership in myself will continue to move the vision in the direction God has given us for this house. During this process, Bishop Randy White has agreed to come in and help him preach in the pulpit along with the selection of great men and women of God. However, due to his health issues, he will rely heavily on current leadership with our executive, Pastor Michael, and other staff members. So you're going to see Pastor Michael a little bit more on Sunday mornings. Amen? Okay. And here's what I've decided to do. I've decided to move our midweek service to Wednesday nights beginning January 11th because I'm Wednesday night. So that I can continue to share God's heart for your life. I will also have Sunday nights. Well, not every Sunday night, but we will have Sunday nights probably twice a month. And I will be preaching. This is a great game for us in the kingdom of God. And I trust that you will celebrate with me as we continue to expand and we take care of business. God speaks. If we do anything but move, we're in disobedience. So while this might be something that might sting to us and we might not understand it fully and it might... Yeah. So you notice in the beginning of that audio, she was telling the people there at Without Walls in Tampa, God called her there, of course. She was going to stay there no matter what. Then when, when the ship was sinking, because here it is 2012, remember in 2011, and you can see the picture, uh, I, have a, I have pictures in my video on YouTube under my channel, Susan Puzio, and I document the condition of the buildings and I document the bulldozing. I document the uh, posting on the door in Lakeland where the building was basically condemned and they weren't allowed to go inside the building because the electricity was turned off because they didn't pay their bill. So in 2012, she was uh, still telling the people that, she was their pastor, but when they, this is how I see it. When she realized that the, everything was sinking, there was no reason for her to stay. Uh, so then she took this position in, uh, at uh, New Destiny in Apopka. And notice that she says, now, Mama, she calls herself Mama. I told you that, that she says that she made people call her mother 
And if you want to see, if you really want to hear, it's hysterical. It's, but it's it's sad, and it's it's also dangerous because known cult leaders make people call them father and mother. And on this video that I have on my channel called Paula White Divine Mother, she this uh, pastor in training at her church. He's not there anymore. This young man named Duma. He says that uh, he calls her mother, and he says she's divine. Now that now that's a scary thing. That's a scary thing. Who does that? <laughs> Except people that are brainwashed and hypnotized. So, like I said, could you imagine her going to Washington and sitting in a meeting, and she says, "Oh yeah, I was calling my legs sexy, and you know what? I said I was hot." And I, I like things that are sexy. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. A spiritual advisor to the president. Yeah. God help us. Thank God help us, please. Anyway, uh, let me see. I think I have one more audio here. Let me play this one ministry, as long as this earth remains, will flourish in the earth because what God starts, God also finished. The promise he started in your life is the promise he's going to complete in your life. And without all I prophesy to us, we're not just going to stand, but we're going to stand in the grace of God, the goodness of God, and the glory of God. Your family's going to stand. Your finances are going to stand. Your future's going to stand. This church is going to stand because God said, I will finish what I start. Ichabod will never be written over this house. God will be glorified. You better slap somebody and say, God's with us. God's going to do something big because your prayer is going to shake nations. God's not through with this church. God's not through with your life. God's just beginning. Our best days are ahead of us. Because I know what God's doing here. I know. I see it already. Because I told him in a year from now, things are going to look different. I said, I'm going to change this platform. We're gonna, I'm believing God. Y'all have faith with me? Can you dream with me for a minute? We're going to change it. It's going to look like excellence. Can't you see it? Can't you see the screens that come down and go up? I can see it. I can see the foyer with all the places that we can fellowship. I can see a big playground for our kids. Ultimately, 10 years. You ready for 10 years? I can see multi-level buildings and sanctuary and bridges over to the administrative and a five-car garage. Can you see it? I can see it. I can see it. With God, all things are possible. Let me, let me do this really quick. I just want to thank everyone that gives to this ministry because if it wasn't for you, this church wouldn't exist. We are the church. Amen. Amen. Well, now we have a guest speaker tonight. Ushers, you guys are good. Mr. Dean Clark is in the house. He is a dear friend of this ministry. He's actually was on staff for about four years back in the day, way back in the day with the tent days, restoring the admin building over there that we sold. Ultimately, 10 years. You ready for 10 years? I can see multi-level buildings and sanctuary and bridges over to the administrative. God's taken us places. Are you hearing me? I want you to look this way, just for a moment. Do you understand the magnitude of what this church is about to do? 
I mean, so do you, are you getting it? We have a church in Central Florida that is just going to... I, I don't know if you understand. It's right in Central Florida. It's like God said, where can we put a great revival center? And he went, right there. He put it right there. And we've worked hard and diligent. Many of you have. We've got it back in order. The, the lawn's looking good. The air conditioning working. The water's working. Everything's up and running. That's it. All we need now is a PA system. We can go right in there and do what we need to do. So today, here's what I'm going to do, because it's, it's, it's getting late, and I know you all got a lot going. I'm going back and shaking hands. You can do your building fund either two ways. You can bring it up forward, just lay it here, or in the back, they'll put a little offering there. You can give it that way. However you feel. Notice, the, sh- the ship is totally sinking. They couldn't, the, the, the lights were turned off over there in Lakeland. Okay, he says, oh, the lights were turned back on. The place had already been vandalized beyond repair by that time. But yet they were still telling people, <laughs> we're going to do this and we're going to do that. And then he's going in, he says, I'm going in the back. Of course, he was, he's going to go in the back so you can shake his hand and put some money in his hand, right? Oh, honestly. They couldn't, they couldn't stop conning. They still can't stop conning. Here's a, a letter that I got um, signed up to be on Paula's email list. Okay, so now I, she, sends a, she sends an appeal letter almost every day if, you, if uh, you sign up to be on this email list. Okay, so she's, she's saying here, uh, remember I told you God showed me there are four areas that I am to focus on that he is going to do something quickly, something unexpectedly and suddenly. I will give you further instruction as you respond back to me. But let me just tell you during this season, something so supernatural will take place and it will literally shift your life in a very positive way. So she says, you must stay connected to me during this prophetic season. Oh, and then she says, there's four things that you have to do. Uh, and these are, these are four areas that she is to focus on, that he is going to do something quickly, instantly, and unexpectedly. I will give you further instruction as you respond back to me. Let me just tell you this, that you re- you're going to get restoration you're going to get defeat over your enemies. You're going to get deliverance. And she says, write down the names of those who you want delivered around you. And then the final thing is you're going to get revival and it's going to be a suddenly. And now how do you get all these things? How do you get all these things now? She says, you must fast. And you must give. And of course you must give. So she's got three levels of giving here that you you get this this season of suddenly you must give something sacrificial. Do not cheat yourself out of your suddenly by withholding. So she says you can give $3,600 and the consecrated things were 600 oxen and 3,000 sheep. This is the seed of expectation. This is a true sacrifice. This is blood at the altar. Yeah, $3,600. Or you can also sell, you can also sell right now. Send me a text message or call 1-800-PAULA-17. Or you can give $300 as a 
hundred rams and two hundred lambs. This offering is if you absolutely cannot do the three thousand six hundred. <laughs> if this is a sacrifice to you, it is acceptable to God. You can also sell right now. Or you can give seventy dollars, three score and ten bullocks. This offering is if you are limited severely from giving the above, the 3,600 or the 360. If so, and this is a sacrifice, and I declare that this offering will change your situation. This is a con. This is a Ponzi scheme. This is what it is. She doesn't stop. She doesn't stop for one minute conning people and putting this kind of garbage out to hurting people. It's awful. What you offer must be sacrificial. You must feel it leave you. This is the prophetic demand. This is to initiate the suddenly in your life. Oh, and then she signs it. Love your servant, Paula. No, you're not. Love your servant, Paula. Yeah, you're a servant of the devil. Because only the devil would do something like that. That's not anything the Lord Jesus Christ would do. That's not anything any born-again minister of the gospel would do to people. You just don't do it. So I don't care what she says. And and she could talk all she wants about haters and that she's so misunderstood and whatever. No, you put this garbage out. I didn't write it. You wrote it. You put it out a few days ago. So it's like examine yourself and see if you're in the faith because you're not. Anyway, that's our program for today. And uh, the most important thing today is are you born again? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you repented of your sins and asked him to come into your life? No matter what other people do, look, whatever Paula White does or anybody else does, it has nothing to do with Jesus Christ because that's not our Jesus. Our Jesus died on the cross for our sins so that we could have life and have life more abundantly and that we could be delivered from deception and we could be delivered from the plans and the schemes of the devil. And it's a shame when somebody uses his name and does these kind of things to people. But that's not Jesus. Jesus loves you. Ask him to come into your life today. Ask him to forgive you of your sins and be born again. God bless you. I'm going to a city that's set on a hill. Its ruler and maker is the Lord God above. Oh, I'm going to a city and it's set on a hill. And someday I'll be in heaven and there'll be no sorrow there. Oh, I'm going to a city. It lies four square. The gates are made of jasper and I'll see Jesus there. I'm going to a city. On a hill, and someday I'll be in heaven, and there'll be no sorrow there.
With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.